absolutely love Youth Sunday. It is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It reminds me of when I was younger and my first Youth Sunday, they were kind enough to uh, also let me play the drums and I had no clue how to keep time, uh, but they let me play anyway and it was just some of the most uh, meaningful worship services early in my life uh, and they still uh, bring such fond memories every time we have a Youth Sunday. Uh, there was a particular time uh, when I was in the 10th grade, and the youth pastor of the church called our house phone, because uh, back then house phones were still a thing, and for some of you, that joke did not go over well at all. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even make it at the 8 o'clock service, I scratched it out, but anyway, so the youth pastor uh, called our house phone at the house, and he asked to speak to me, and that was new, that had never happened before. Uh, but my mom gave me the phone, and he said, hey, Robert, uh, Youth Sunday is coming up a few weeks at the church. And I said, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just so excited. I can't wait. I love Youth Sunday. It's going to be a blast. And before I could say anything else, he said, great. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, so I was calling because I was wondering if on that Youth Sunday you'd be willing to give the sermon that day as well. <laughs> and I paused. I panicked. I said, nope, and hung up the phone. <laughs> and so a few hours went by, and my mother uh, asked, she said, what did he call for? And as I replayed this conversation before her, uh, I had not seen my mother get that mad at me in quite some time. Uh, and she instructed me that I was to call him back, I was to apologize, and then tell him that I would begin working on that sermon that very day. And being the good mama's boy that I am, that's absolutely what I did. And the rest is history. From a very young age, my grandmother, who I call Mimi, uh, we've had two traditions together that I had, we'd done every time I spent the night with her growing up. The first uh, was in her kitchen above the doorway was the, the blessing from Numbers, the may the Lord bless you and keep you, may he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And every night when I would go over, uh, we would, before we'd go to bed, we'd go in the kitchen, we'd get down on our knees, we'd look up, and we'd say that prayer together. And I remember saying as a little kid, like, Mimi, why do we have to get down on our knees? The tile, it hurts, it's cold, why do we have to do this? And she said, you might not understand now, but at some point you're going to be glad you spent that much time on your knees praying to God. And I've always hung on to that. And the second thing she always did is she would read to me the story of the giving tree. And I had no clue what to preach that day, but I thought, well, I love the giving tree, so I'll preach on that. And I actually still have my book of the giving tree by Shel Silverstein. Perhaps you know this book and remember it. I still even have the first manuscript of the first sermon I ever gave. I read it this week, and I'm never going to let you all see it. Uh, still got the bulletin and everything, and that's when I was in 10th grade. And so I got up, and I was ready to preach. Uh, there we are. And I remember it was all three services, and my hands were sweaty. Uh, I was shaking in my knees, and I was just so nervous. But then I got up. I got into the pulpit. I took my step in. I took a deep breath, and I just felt the power of the Holy Spirit just flow upon me. I was calm and I was ready to preach. And as I started, I thought I just must have looked like a lion in the pulpit, just proclaiming the gospel of the giving tree, just changing the world. 
with every word that came out of my mouth that day. And after what felt like a 25-minute sermon for the ages, one that would be written down (laughs) and shared throughout history, I stepped out of the pulpit, and the first person I saw was my dad. And I said, Dad, how was it? And he said, well... It only took about 11 minutes, and I don't think you stopped for a breath the whole time. <laughs> but then he and, and everyone else, they, my church family, they just greeted me out in the lobby afterwards, and they affirmed me, they hugged me, they praised me, and they said, that was so good. I just felt the power of the Holy Spirit, and I can't wait for you to preach again. And then it was the first time someone ever told me that they knew I was called to be a preacher. Up until that point, that thought had never crossed my mind. Up, in that, up until that point, I was still sure I was going to be an accountant like my father. But it was on a youth Sunday where a church gave me a chance to preach the fastest 11-minute sermon there ever was that changed my life forever. And I tell you that story for a reason. We're going to have three terrific uh, youth students come and share a story with us from their experience at Warren Willis Camp today. And we celebrate what God is doing in their lives and in all of those uh, active in our youth ministry and our children's ministry here and Bright Beginnings. But I also want to share with you some numbers uh, that will hopefully stir something inside of you as they have stirred inside of me. Uh, A study was done of the amount of United Methodist pastors in the United States. In 1985, there were 21,378 United Methodist pastors in our country. 27% of them were over the age of 55, 58% were between 35 and 54, and only 15% were 35 or under. Now, a little over 30 years later, There are 14,152 United Methodist pastors in our country. 56% of them are over the age of 55. 37% are 35 to 54. And only 7% of our clergy are under the age of 35. So what does that mean? It means that as a church, we are not living into our call to produce and to raise up new pastors for the kingdom of God. And that is not good news. Not good news at all. The median age of a United Methodist pastor right now is 56 years old. And with the average retirement age being in the early to mid-60s, that means that they don't have many years left of full-time church ministry before they go on to other forms of ministry. And so the question has to be asked, in 5, 10, or 15 years, will we even have enough pastors to fill the incredible churches that we have in our connection? That's a scary thought. Will there be enough pastors to lead these churches and to continue passing on the faith that we all care about so much? Now, I don't share any of that to guilt anyone or to make anyone feel young or feel old or to wag my finger and then not offer some kind of a solution. Because I believe we, as the church called Cypress Lake United Methodist Church, I believe we can play a role in ending that particular problem the church has. We have to continue living into one of our church's core values. 
And that core value is to empower the next generation to lead. If we don't do that, we won't produce new pastors. We won't produce new leaders within the church that we care about and we love. You see, on that Youth Sunday for me, many years ago, somebody took a chance allowing me to speak, and then my church family wrapped their arms around me. They affirmed me. They loved me. They encouraged me, and they said, you're called to preach. If my church family would have not responded to God's call on their lives, whoa, sorry, there's a fly. Hopefully it's not the Holy Spirit fly telling me to get out of the way. I'll end with this. Our church is doing a really good job of living into that core value of empowering the next generation to, to lead. We've got uh, youth ministry and children's ministry and bright beginnings and play day and uh, ministries for young adults and people of all ages to be involved in. There are hundreds, perhaps thousands of churches in our state and our country who have no children and no youth in them. So we are so blessed and we're so fortunate to have ministries like that, but we need to continue investing. We need to continue believing and we need to continue thinking that God can use us to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders and pastors. And that's what we want to do today. And we want to continue to celebrate in all of the Sundays we come together for worship. So I want to introduce to you our first youth speaker that will come today. Uh, and as uh, I finish your introduction, I want to invite you to pretend like you are at your favorite sports arena cheering on your favorite sports team when they have just scored the winning touchdown, pass, goal, point, whatever it is. I want whistling. I want applauding. If anybody's got a cowbell in their purse, pull it out. <laughs> I want cheering and affirmation for our speakers. So our first is Grace McCarley. Uh, she's going into the 10th grade at Cypress Lake High School, and she is incredibly involved in dance. Uh, she likes to do ballet, lyrical, and modern dance. In her spare time, she likes to spend time with her family, who is with us today, and spend time with her friends at youth group. Church, help me work. welcome Grace. Grace McCarley, and I'm going to be talking about summer camp, something that every member of our youth group looks forward to every year. This is my second year in the high school group. The best part about camp to almost every camper is rest hour, because it's the best hour. And it gives the campers and counselors time to relax after their first skill. Then the excitement builds up into praise time, which really wakes you up with awesome music that is played by the band, especially on Thursdays, with the best throwback camp songs. In my opinion, I think the best is skills because you're guaranteed to make friends. The skills I picked this year were ultimate frisbee, yoga, disc golf, and tubing, which are awesome skills. The activity that I think impacts campers the most is small groups because you're filled with kids your own age that can, mo that can most likely relate to the changes you face in high school. And it's the best way to make friends. One particular moment in small groups that impacted me the most was when our leader asked us what we loved about small groups. And one kid said low ropes. And everyone in our whole group had a debate over it because everyone doesn't like low ropes except for him. 
Then after the crazy packed day, we go to worship, which really makes you think about your relationship with God and how you can improve it. Even though you may not know where you are with God, the music can help you understand how grateful you are. The impact camp has on campers, especially on the first day, is, inc is incredible. Because you may be nervous, but then at the end, you never want to leave. But it always makes you look forward to next year. Like right now, talking about camp makes me look forward to it even more, and I already know what skills I'm going to pick. Thank you for letting me speak in front of you all, and thank you for supporting our youth group so that I can go to camp. Thank you, Grace. Well done. Our next youth speaker for today is Jules Kennard. Uh, she is also going into 10th grade at Cypress Lake High School, uh, and she does cross-country and track, and she is also involved in the drama program. As you've seen today, she's also very talented with music as well by singing and playing the piano, and her favorite things to do are spend time with her mom and her friends while teaching herself more new songs on the piano. Church, help me welcome Jules. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jules. Aloha. That's, there's just something about Warren Willis that I love but can't explain. Or maybe I can. Maybe it's the floating cross on the lake. Or watching the sunset while sailing or the vigorously intense rounds of nine square, or maybe it's just meeting new people your age who love to worship God. All I know is it is definitely not the blind mosquitoes. <laughs> I wish I knew about this place a long time ago because it's truly one of my favorites. People from all across Florida come to this one place to get the general feeling of home. The key thing I remember from last year is that they wanted us to feel at home. I showed up to camp for the first time knowing nobody outside of the 239, fresh out of eighth grade, coming to this church for only six months. The nerves were high, but by the end of the week, I was so glad I went. It was an amazing experience. That's why this year, I was super excited to go back. Some people's favorite time of the day was rest hour. <laughs> now, I'm a pretty hyper person. I mean. I don't drink coffee, and I'm still able to be loud at 7 a.m. <laughs> I also rarely take naps, but I never realized how much I really needed that hour of sitting on my bunk bed doing word searches of Lady Gaga songs once a day. <laughs> I need to start doing that more often. It's very relaxing. Oh, and let's not forget about the treacherous rain shower on Wednesday afternoon. That was most definitely everyone's favorite. While the entire high school group was outside under trees doing activities with their small group, it started pouring. I actually kind of liked it, and I'm not just saying that because it was at least 95 degrees out, but because when we all had to speed walk to the fellowship hall, we united. Everyone was wet, Everyone was hangry, and no one could bash anyone for their bad hair. <laughs> Camp really is a magical place. It's a place that can get the world's pickiest eater to try veggie straws and teriyaki chicken. 
I love camp so much and can't wait to go back. I will go in denial, though. I feel that if I don't unpack, it's like I'm still there. Last year, it took me a week. This year, well, I've had this swim band on for two weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I learned some pretty cool life skills. I learned to never let me steer a canoe from the back. I learned how to zip line. I learned to never stop halfway on a rock wall thinking I can just jump down. <laughs> I learned that I'm a lot better at pool volleyball than regular volleyball. It might be because if I hit the ball outside the pool, I can blame it on the sun being in my eyes. <laughs> all in all, though, I found peace. I found peace in the worship service that we had every night. It may sound small, but connecting with God for just a second and finding inner peace can really make a difference on your outlook on things. After all, let go and let God. Aloha is one of the words we learned at camp, along with Hewa, Ubuntu, Shalom, and more. That's why I opened with it. All these words relate to the theme of this year, speak peace. The funny thing is, all week, I thought the theme was sneak peace. I mixed up the P with an N. I was even wearing a shirt that said, speak peace, and I still thought it said sneak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was actually yesterday I realized, so. <laughs> so. It, yeah. it wasn't until I started writing this speech that I looked at my name tag and realized the real word. So all week, whenever something didn't go as planned, like rain and, well, rain, <laughs> I tried to find little moments to sneak peace into, and it helped. I tried, to, oh, I tried to find the good in rough situations. It definitely helped when I was looking out over a bunch of trees ready to zip line for the first time. Little did I know, though, I was supposed to be speaking peace. By speaking peace, you share the gospel and the, and the word of God. My perspective on speaking peace is how you see life. If you always keep in mind that there's good in everything, you'll speak that way too and can influence others. Being optimistic and having faith that it'll all work out for the better makes you a happier person. Show kindness and love your neighbor. Going to this camp and making these memories was incredible, but it couldn't have happened without you guys too. So to the Cypress League Meth United Methodist Congregation, I thank you for allowing us to have this experience, whether it was through donations or prayers. Now we just have to start preparing for next year. 49 weeks and counting. <laughs> thank you, Jules. And our last youth to speak today is Sarah Tucker. Uh, and Sarah is going to be a senior at Astero High School, and she is on our church staff and serves as the assistant to our youth director. Uh, so she spends a lot of her time here planning our Sunday night youth activities and the special events and the trips like the mission trip. Uh, she's also incredibly artistic and a wonderful singer. And when she's not doing any of those things, she loves spending time with her family and with her friends. Church, let's welcome Sarah.
This was my last year of camp, and I can proudly say that it was definitely my favorite year. Um, throughout the whole week, I was expecting to feel sad on the last night during worship because Friday night is known as cry night um, because it's so hard to leave the people that you've learned and grown with over that week. And it's also just really hard to leave the campus because it feels like a second home. But surprisingly, I wasn't sad at all. I felt more complete because I felt God's presence stronger than ever that night. There's such a satisfying feeling being in that chapel and worshiping our true God with the people that I had formed relationships with that week. I truly felt like one big family with everyone. My week at camp made me excited to, and more certain to come back as a counselor next summer so I can help kids grow in their faith as well. Throughout our week at camp, every day we learned a word that related to peace because the theme for this year is speak peace, not sneak peace. Um, <laughs> so the one word that really resonated with me was Ubuntu. This is an African term meaning humanity, but is frequently translated to I am because we are. As imperfect humans, we like to believe that we can do everything by ourselves, but that is just not the case whatsoever. The idea of Ubuntu is that humanity is a quality that we owe to each other. We create each other, and we need to sustain these creations. In the Bible, we're all reminded of this idea of Ubuntu in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So I've heard this scripture before, but I feel like I understand it and realize its importance more. It's important to show love, kindness, and peace towards others because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So I've been so lucky to have been able to grow up in such a loving church, and it's because of you that I've been able to go to camp, and I'm forever grateful because camp has been a huge part of my faith journey. So I'd like to thank you all who have been so supportive to me and the whole youth group. We just love you guys so much, so thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for your words.